Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the English with Grace podcast. This is a centralized hub for students, teachers, and English language learners to practice their English and listen to the differing opinions of other English speakers. The content and focus of this podcast will vary, and my goal is to introduce listeners to a variety of perspectives, backgrounds, and experiences as we discuss topics that are also presented in my English with Grace conversation classes. So I'm very excited to have you here. I hope you enjoy this discussion. And of course, like and subscribe if you like it. And I look forward to seeing you in some of our upcoming conversation classes. Hi, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of the English with Grace podcast. Today, I'm very excited. We are going to discuss St. Patrick's Day or maybe St. Patty's Day, but I'm going to let Sylvia explain the difference. And first, Sylvia, if you could introduce yourself, uh, what's your name? Where do you call home? And then any anything else you'd like to share in your introduction? Hi, Grace. How's it going? Um, so my name is Sylvia Power. Um, I currently work as an editor in an educational publishing company in Dublin. Previously, I studied English language, journalism, English literature and publishing. Um, and where I call home, I think, is basically Ireland. Yeah, wonderful. Which is why I invited you to discuss St. Patrick's Day. You and I um, have had plenty of times where we've discussed this holiday. Um, and I'm really excited for my listeners to hear your perspective. Sylvia, the next question that I always like to ask, uh, how do you know me? How did we meet? <laughs> Um, I had the absolute pleasure of meeting Grace when we were both living in um, Cadiz in Spain and I was doing my Erasmus there and Grace was um, teaching English there um, and we met through a friend of a friend and it was an instant love affair oh. um, in a in a platonic friends way. <laughs> <laughs> love that in a platonic friends way. Yes, love at first sight for sure. Um, I will never forget the day I met you and I was like, wow, who is this powerful woman? And then I found out your last name was Power and I was like, wow, this all makes sense. <laughs> uh, love it. Okay, uh, well, let's dive right in. So St. Patrick's Day. Sylvia, what is St. Patrick's Day? Okay, so St. Patrick's Day is, so it has its roots in essentially a kind of like a, a pagan festival, really. Um, but over time, of course, it's been co-opted for a lot of things. Um, essentially, it's based on a myth um, about uh, an Irish man who was um, also a religious missionary that apparently he, he used to try and travel around and convert people to Christianity. So convert pagan Irish people so they didn't believe in Christian God. Mm -hmm. um, he used to try and convert them to Christianity, which was becoming more and more common, especially in Europe. And mm -hmm. basically the whole kind of mythology behind it is that he um, banished snakes from Ireland. Um, and of oh. course, that's uh, a total myth <laughs> because they're historically there has never been snakes in Ireland. We don't have the climate for it. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was kind of a lie, I guess, or like a, a myth to um, kind of give him this like hero kind of um, martyr kind of status. Um, of course, in more recent times, and most people will be 
more aware of this is that St. Patrick's Day is kind of celebrated all over the world um, for different reasons. Yeah. So it it was kind of um, originally in the kind of late 80s, early 90s, the Irish Tourism Board um, realized that like, oh, like everyone really, really likes Irish people um, in general. We're kind of like a, a popular country, even though we're so small. Mm-hmm. Um, and they realized they could use St. Patrick's Day to kind of drive a lot of tourism. So by holding stuff in the country and by also um, kind of sending Irish people, you know, to countries all over the world to kind of expand, I guess, what people thought of Ireland internationally. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so it's definitely in recent years more of a tourist thing. Interesting. Um, Oh, go ahead. Did you have something else? um, No, I was just going to say it's, you know, and I think as well when people are looking up about St. Patrick's Day, Mm -hmm. um, if you want to find more information on it, you should definitely find actual um Irish like sources that come from Ireland because mm-hmm. a lot of stuff is written by um kind of American maybe publications mm-hmm. um that don't have um a true kind of understanding of what it is. Um yeah. and yeah just briefly on that I think St. Patrick's Day kind of started to become so popular internationally was because of the extremely high rate of emigration from Ireland mm-hmm. in kind of the specifically during the Irish famine in which all of our potato crops failed um yeah. about two million people died and two million people emigrated um and then they emigrated and that kind of spread globally so there is a huge amount of people all over the world that in some way are connected um to Irish ancestry, especially in the States and in Australia as well. Wow, that is fascinating. I don't think that we got that deep when we've talked about the holiday. Uh, Super interesting (laughs) to hear that, Sylvia. And I wanted to ask you, right at the beginning when you were explaining, you said co-opted. Can you explain a little bit more um, about that word if somebody hasn't heard it and what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess the co-opted in this sense meant that the Irish Tourism Board realized that by kind of taking some of the most um, popular, most kind of relatable things from St. Patrick's Day, they could kind of um, use that kind of marketing Mm -hmm. um, internationally. So you're talking about taking some things that... um, aren't maybe typically Irish, but would be kind of uh, seen as a really kind of cool or interesting on like a global market and things that were easy to kind of um, things that, that, you know, would kind of get people internationally interested in Ireland. So that would kind of mean the, you know, the any images of leprechauns, you know, with the huge, the massive ginger beards and the kind of you know, the um, crock of gold at the end of the rainbow. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those type of stuff. Of course, leprechauns aren't real. But um, unfortunately, I hate to break any bubbles, out, burst any bubbles <laughs> out there. Um, but yeah, so those kind of, you know, easy, easy visuals that yeah. people internationally could look at and, and kind of 
um, see see something fun and entertaining. Okay, Sylvia, this is a great explanation, and I'm really glad that you brought up that if people are teaching about the holiday. Um, as an English language teacher, I realized how important it was to ask my students, like, does your country or culture celebrate St. Patrick's Day? How is it celebrated? And then kind of compare what I've seen in the U.S. to what I've learned from you and then other Irish sources. You shared a great tweet with me yesterday um, about the kind of stereotypes of St. Patrick's Day. Um, so I, I agree with you that it's important to look for those sources and like what St. Patrick's Day, where it originated and how it's celebrated uh, on a global scale. So uh, one more thing, you said burst your bubble. <laughs> That's a great idiom or expression. What does that mean? Um, burst your bubble, essentially like um, letting someone down quite suddenly, um, shattering an illusion, mm -hmm. uh, you could also say as well. So Great description, shattering an illusion. Okay, uh, so number two, Sylvia, how is um, St. Patrick's Day celebrated in Ireland? How would you celebrate this holiday? Well, of course, it's a national holiday, so we all get a day off. Um, and firstly, I do want to preface this by saying that, um, of course, one of the main stereotypes of Irish people is that we enjoy partaking in an alcoholic beverage um, and that is no different on St. Patrick's Day. It's a national holiday. It's very common that um, people will go to a pub or even have a house party um, but what's become more common in recent years is these kind of large parades. So pretty much every town and every city in Ireland on St. Patrick's Day will have parades. So that will include things like um, traditional I Irish Kaylee bands. So Kaylee bands are basically, um, they, you know, they're bands of people who will play traditional Irish music, um, like on a bowron, which is basically a drum that you beat with a stick, or a banjo, which is kind of like a, a guitar, but um, made with a different material and a bit smaller. Um, and, um, you know, some other instruments like um, guitars um, as well. So and then in the parades, there'll also be, you know, a lot of things like small local businesses. Mm -hmm. um, there will be, you know, kind of people dressed up. There will be local sports teams. Um, there will be like local restaurants. Um, there'll be a lot of local farmers. So you'll see tractors going through parades. And essentially, it, parades are just kind of a bit of crack, as we would say in Ireland, which is a bit of fun. <laughs> I was going to people... say, sorry, I interrupted you, but you know, I'm going to say, oh, there's the crack word that we never use. And I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, it, it only took about 15 minutes to come out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then what were you going to say one other thing or something else? I, I interrupted you. Yeah, I think in just it's a very common thing now that people of all ages from you know, young families to older people will kind of come out in the streets and watch the parade, maybe with a pint of Guinness or something as it goes by. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask about Guinness um, because that's, uh, so I'll ask the next question, which leads into this, but if Guinness was as popular as we see, and in the U.S., Guinness is a huge drink on St. Patrick's Day. Is that the same in Ireland? Yes, absolutely. But not just on St. Patrick's Day, Guinness is 
probably one of the most, it's far and away the most popular alcoholic drink in Ireland at all times of the year. Um, it was traditionally seen as like a kind of a man's drink because it's it's a stout. Um, so it's quite heavy. And because it's made in Ireland by the Guinness factory, which is based in Dublin, mm-hmm. and it uses Irish ingredients, it was typically the cheapest drink that was available, much cheaper than, we'll say, spirits like gin or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So that's why a lot of laborers would have drank it. A lot of um, working class people would have Guinness because it was most affordable. And it was also in times of um, poverty, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of rampant in Irish history, it was also the most filling as well. So if you didn't have enough money for food, it was quite common that you would have a couple of pints of Guinness instead. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm learning so much. This is such a great um, uh, episode, Sylvia. I love it. <laughs> no worries. I'm okay. happy, to, happy to spread the culture of my country. Oh, yes, I know you are. It's a true Irish gal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, number three, and this is kind of what we were getting into. Um, so, Sylvia, what have have you seen as the biggest differences between U.S. and then Irish St. Patrick's Day? Um, so some of the you've mentioned a few things, but what comes to mind? Yeah. So I think a lot of the imagery that you see in um, the American idea of St. Patrick's Day or St. Paddy's Day, as they call it over there, um, which is basically it's kind of it goes back to uh, a reliance on this kind of um, stereotypical Irish imagery. So Mm -hmm. people dressed up as leprechauns with big green wigs and green pints of Guinness. And that's you will not see someone dressed up as a leprechaun in Ireland who's actually (laughs) Irish. (laughs) That just won't be. So the only people you'll see dressed as a leprechaun will probably be English or American. Um, So that's one of the main, I think the Irish celebration of it tends to be a lot more Mm -hmm. low-key and tends to be kind of just more more traditional and, yeah, yeah, a lot more realistic. I I think maybe a lot of Americans will also use it um, as a basis for consumerism. Um, <laughs> and and there is a degree of um, nostalgia in that because, of course, a lot of Americans have uh, Irish ancestry in some ways. So, yeah. it, it, you know, it is a kind of a very marketable um, festival, especially for American companies who want to tap into that nostalgia. But mm-hmm. on that, on that note... Um, you will not see a pint of green Guinness in Ireland and no Irish person has ever drank one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh. and actually I need to clarify this. In, so we die, I think every, not every, but if, if a bar is partaking in St. Patrick's Day, they'll put green dye into all the beer. So a Pilsner, an IPA, Guinness. Actually, I don't know if the Guinness actually turns green, but none of the beers are green in, in Ireland. Is that right? Absolutely not. <laughs> and, you, and you would get, if you came to Ireland, you would get in a lot of trouble for suggesting that. <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. Uh, that is so fascinating. So definitely an American thing. And you said, when you said over here, you're talking about in the US, we call it St. Paddy's Day. And that is not a thing in Ireland. 
No, absolutely. Because um, like Patty is, you know, not the same as uh, Patrick uh, or Paddy. Yeah. Um, and I think just maybe it was linguistically, I think maybe Americans had a bit of, um, they had a bit of trouble pronouncing the hard D, which we have quite a lot in Irish. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and when I say Irish, I mean um, Gaelic. Yeah. Um, that is quite, it's quite a, a hard D. And I think maybe a lot of American tongues, it kind of ended up morphing into Patty's day, okay. which maybe you have some experience with the linguistics of that. Yeah, uh, well, just that, no, I think you explained it really well. Um, and I talked to my students a lot about the difference between specifically British English, which I know is also different uh, from Irish uh, English. Well, I, yeah, Irish English, I think is what I want to say. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but we do. I try to explain it that we make it easier if it's easier to say we don't say water we say water and it's like a much easier for to roll off the tongue so Mm -hmm. i think that you explained it really well um okay and then my last question also kind of ties into this cultural difference um the pinching superstition so i'm immediately going to ask you if you if i say the pinching superstition do you know what i'm talking about I've never heard of that at all, but <laughs> it is it is possible that if you explain it, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that thing. Uh, oh, my gosh. OK, so in the U.S., I act, I absolutely hated this holiday growing up, actually, because um, so in the U.S., you have to wear green on St. Patrick's Day and because mainly I didn't want to get pinched. And there's this superstition where if you don't wear green on St. Patrick's Day, I think, and it has something to do with leprechauns, Sylvia. It's like Uh bad luck. It's bad luck to not wear green. Um, And I don't know the whole, like, you know, story behind it. But I did want to ask if in Ireland you have to have green on. Otherwise, somebody has, basically, they're allowed to pinch you. No, and that's interesting and absolutely not. Um, (laughs) And that I've never seen any Irish person pinch another Irish person, um, (laughs) let alone on on St. Patrick's Day. But um, that's it, it, it's interesting that you mentioned. And I mean, people in Ireland, we'd ever, like people do wear green. But if you were to go to the pub or a house party or the parade and you weren't wearing green, I don't think anyone would really care. Yeah. I think a lot of I think Irish people are very relaxed in general about how people celebrate things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely not something that would even be remarked on really um yeah like if you had something green throw it on but people don't usually make a you know a massive it might be something like someone would wear their local team's jersey if it had their local football uh, or hurlings team's jersey if it was green you know or an irish football jersey or something that type of thing yeah interesting okay so quick clarification um for my listeners in the US, this is mainly in elementary and high school. If you're not wearing green and somebody comes up and they're like, oh, I get a chance to pinch you. Adults aren't running around. Okay, I shouldn't say all adults, but most of the adults <laughs> I'm around aren't, aren't running around pinching each other on St. Patrick's <laughs> Day. So I hope not. <laughs> uh, but I did want to ask you that because yeah, that's just been a really big part of the holiday growing up when I was younger. So and that's so interesting because I've never heard that. But I wonder <laughs> if it has, I wonder, it most likely has links to, so a lot of Irish, if I can just um, 
go off on a bit of a tangent here, but yeah. most Irish um, festivals, of, like, or, you know, kind of celebrations, they come from pagan rituals. And paganism kind of, it, it was not anything to do with God. As I mentioned earlier, it was more to do with um, kind of supernatural beings or spirits. And in Irish, these are called the, they're called the ace she and that's mm-hmm. spelled a-o-s okay and then a hyphen and then oh. s and then a father which is like an irish accent so to elongate a letter it's called they're called the ace she okay and they were essentially they were um kind of spirits or kind of the bad demons really but also tricksters Mm -hmm. who would um you know in in kind of maybe in the 16 17 1800s people irish people especially in the country Mm -hmm. if if they got a you know they kind of had this belief in uh, a witching hour between uh two and about two and four in the morning and in their opinions that was when spirits kind of um came out to play and so there were all these kind of different uh rules really that especially in in the country that um you you know when I say rules I say that you know quite you know they were kind of superstitious to some extent but some people believed in them Mm -hmm. um that you would for example you wouldn't pass uh, a certain uh, area at a certain time of night because you'd be scared that the the fairies would would um play play a joke on you in some way they might um do something like that um and there were a lot of kind of old irish structures like like stones and kind of they called them fairy forts um oh. and there there's a long standing rumors that uh, it is extremely bad luck to build anything or to, you know, go near a fairy fort because you'll be haunted. Um, and so there, you know, there are a lot of people, Irish people throughout history who've written very spooky accounts of things that have happened to them when they went near a fairy fort. Um, and yes, and um, yeah, and you know, then people would uh, would leave out food kind of hysterically as a, a you know, a, a, a peace offering to the demons as as if to appease them, the fairies, as they were called. Wow. Um, mm. It's like leaving out food for, well, we leave out food for Santa Claus, but not for the, and actually there's a lot of um, like leaving out food for certain spirits and stuff but that's really interesting sylvia have you ever had an encounter like where you go by these stone did you say stone forts stone yeah so they're called fairy forts um and they're actually quite common like if if you drive through the countryside in ireland they'll be quite inconspicuous Mm -hmm. they might just look like a little mound um but if you look up maybe the history of the area that you're in you'll find like oh it was actually you know it's it, it's kind of it's called like a fairy fort okay. um and some of them are kind of you know protected now and uh but the, but you know there has been there's an excellent um there's an excellent irish man who kind of he chronicles 
mm-hmm. older people's stories about this. And you know what, Grace, I'll, I'll send you his name later. And if any of your students want to look up, you know, the stories he writes about, because it's so fascinating. Yeah. Um, and he goes around and he has hundreds and hundreds of hours of record, like recorded interviews and written interviews with um, people, Irish people all over the country who have these really strange stories um, that they okay. believe are connected to the fairies and they really do believe in them. Wow. Um, okay. I'll put that in the description. quite spooky. Yeah. I'll put that in the description. And then you're saying, okay, I want you to explain spooky. I'm not sure if my students will know what that word is. Uh, but when you say quite spooky, yeah, do you have do you a... Know, do you know what I've actually just realized um, mm-hmm. as I'm talking to you? And I, I think I would need to verify this linguistically, but mm-hmm. as I'm just kind of thinking about this point, so in Irish, in like Gaelic mm-hmm. um, or Gaelga, um, the word for a ghost is called a puka. And that's spelled P with one of those U father C-A. And I just wonder if there's anything to do with spooky and puka um, that kind of, got you know, maybe yeah. is spooky. Uh, like, does it come from that? Yeah. Um, because it wouldn't be, it's extremely common for Irish words to end up in the English language. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if that's how that happened. That is so fascinating. Sorry, I'm trying to like type quickly to see, but I will look this up um, <laughs> because I love like the the linguistic trees you can look at like, oh, this word mm-hmm. comes from here. It's so fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. yeah. Um, and to not during this episode, but Sylvia is going to come back to do another episode um, about Halloween. So maybe before we do that episode, Sylvia, I can look up where the word spooky comes from. <laughs> oh, I well, you know, I would be I can also ask some uh, two of my housemates, or sorry, not two of my housemates. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of my friends mm-hmm. are Gwailgors, which means that they live in an area that speaks Irish predominantly and doesn't speak English. Um, so I can ask them if they have any thoughts on it. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. Okay, perfect. So we have homework. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm going to ask you the last part of the podcast. Um, and this is, I ask everyone I interview to choose a idiom or expression or a quote um, related to the topic or just one that you like, Sylvia. Do you have anything you'd like to share with my listeners? Um, yeah, well, I have um, one that I was thinking about today. And I think, I don't think it's a super common phrase outside of Ireland, but it certainly is a word that exists in English. Okay. And uh, that word is banshee. And in English, it's spelled B-A-N-S-H-E-E. And you would typically hear it in maybe something like, if you say someone was screaming like a banshee, it means they were <laughs> They were wailing, they were roaring. Um, And so that actually, that word banshee comes from uh, the Irish word, which is uh, Mm B-E-A-N-S-I. So banshee, which essentially means a woman. Um, Because again, another one of these Irish kind of uh, mythological spirits, I guess, was um, this woman uh, who would, go around and she was like uh, 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 she brought death basically and she would go around and scream and cry and people would um, kind of account 
tell accounts and stories of maybe hearing this screaming and wailing in the middle of the night and they would be quite scared of it and they would take it as a bad omen. Um, but a lot of people would also just argue that those people had heard foxes. Um, <laughs> and so if you, if you hear, if you've ever heard a fox before, they do sound very like a woman screaming. And so a lot of people say that that's where the myth started. Wow. Okay. And the whole expression is screaming like a banshee. Yeah, exactly. And, and can you give me, when would you use this expression? Have you used it? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like, you know, say, for example, if someone was like, ah, like really screaming, kind of wailing, I, you know, I would say something like, it's like, oh, she was wailing like a banshee, you know, oh, that wow. kind of way. Like she was okay. really, really kind of screaming or kind of, you know, quite distressed. Okay. So I'm wondering, so I'm, I'm just trying to give context here. Like, w could this be if somebody is screaming in pain or is it just like, if you hear a loud yeah. noise, you're like, oh screaming like a banshee I, I, you know I think it could be pain I think it could be anything relating to distress or sadness okay. so maybe grief grief as well you know oh, yeah. um that's a big one as well so yeah I think it would be it would probably it wouldn't be you know the same as shouting I don't think I think it would be more associated with sadness and distress um okay. and things like that okay so I slammed my finger in my car door Sylvia I was screaming like a banshee Absolutely. That's 100% okay. correct. Wow. I love this. I have not, yeah, I have not heard of that before, but that is a perfect, perfect example um, for my listeners. So, okay. Um, Sylves, anything else you would like to share or any comments before we wrap up? Oh, well, yes. I mean, I could talk about this topic endlessly, to be honest, <laughs> but I will just make a quick point that might be of interest. So, when we were talking earlier about the depictions of Irish people, you know, I'm, I'm sure that many of your students, if they think of Irish people, they will think of um, you know, big leprechauns with ginger hair and, um, you know, being like being drunk and being and fighting and being rowdy. And I think it's so important that when you think about Ireland and those stereotypes, that the reason they came to be about was when in about the you know the 17 and the 1800s when um Ireland was still ruled by um England mm -hmm. so we you know we were control we were colonized essentially and in British um newspaper propaganda and in magazine propaganda they would try to so the kind of British elite would try to convince the regular English people that like why it was a good idea um, that um, Britain were occupying Ireland. And so they would wow. do this by having these magazines. There was one magazine in particular um, called The Punch and Judy. And they used to write, like draw all these horrible depictions of Irish people and you know, they would refer to them as uh, the drunken paddy and they would say things like the drunken paddy can't rule their own country because, you know, they have no decorum. They're stupid. They're always fighting. They're always drunk. And they relentlessly use that propaganda to make the case to people at home um, as, you know, why we should still occupy Britain, because essentially Ireland are incapable of governing, governing, 
governing mm -hmm. their own nations and that was why they had to do it um wow. and it's and they actually used the british empire used the exact same tactics um when they were colonizing places like nigeria and kenya as well and those extremely racist stereotypes still exist today and i think you can't look at you know um in this case st patrick's day with and the modern representations of Ireland without understanding where they came from and that they very much came from a place of oppression and and cruelty wow. and yeah <laughs> absolutely fascinating you were the perfect person to interview for this that is awful and I can't believe I didn't know that that was where you know these I didn't even really know they were stereotypes Sylvia till I met you I was like, oh, yeah. this is just part of the holiday. So it's so interesting and important, like you said, to know the history behind some of this stuff. Um, and especially when it comes to colonizing and all of that, mm -hmm. which is a whole other topic, but I'm so yeah. glad that you brought that up. Um, and I think <laughs> I'm thinking about my students. Yes, it's important for them to know, but I really hope like some Americans and native English speakers listen <laughs> to this episode too. So um, yes, I I really hope that English people could listen to this episode, <laughs> particularly the, the last five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, perfect. I'll pass this on to our um, English friend, Georgia. And she's going to share it with all of her British friends. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sylvia, thank you so, so much. I'm really excited to bring you back to discuss Halloween. But again, this has been so insightful for me. And I know my students are going to love it as well. Um, I've been so happy to be here talking to you, Grace. My pleasure. And I'll be back all guns blazing for the Halloween episode. <laughs> love that. All right, everyone. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the English with Grace podcast. I hope you enjoyed this discussion. If you did like this episode, please go ahead and like and subscribe and keep an eye out for more episodes coming soon. <laughs>